welcome to another Thursday of the pod. I am super excited for the podcast today. This is going to be one of those like deeper ones where we're re- like we're really going to be getting into our personal lives. You might cry. Yeah, and there's someone <laughs> with me. There's someone with me today. I have April with me. April is like one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend. She knows probably everything about me. April, introduce yourself. I'm April, as Callie calls me, April Amelia. Um, Callie and I have been friends since we were about 15. I am here with my husband, Cameron. Cameron, say hi. Hello. that's um an inside joke with Callie we don't text each other at all we send voice memos we don't call we don't FaceTime and since I got married a year ago anytime my husband's in the room when I'm voice memoing voice messaging Callie he gives a little faint hello like I said this podcast is going to be a little bit more deep and personal because we're going to be talking about careers on this episode today, which is very prevalent in our lives at the moment. It's and a heavy topic. It's for a us heavy right topic. Now. A very, very talked about topic in our voice memoing. I hope you guys buckle up because there's going to be a lot to unpack here. <laughs> There's something for everybody here, whether you know what you want to do, especially if you don't know what you want to do, if you have any kind of conflicting feelings about your dreams for the future. Or if you just want to know a little bit about what we do, because right now I'm in healthcare and April for a while was in education and is still in education. I work in a school. Yeah. So even if you're just... Even if you're just curious about what those jobs look like, I would highly suggest listening to the rest of this. Let's just talk for a second about kind of what we what we do in our job. So April, you go first. I go first. So I am an assistant librarian at an elementary school here in Provo. I check the books in and out. I teach some of the lessons. Mostly I process books through the system. I shelve them. I don't have time to read at work. In the past, I've worked at SWIG. If you need any drink recommendations, I worked in special education, in a hospital kitchen, but mostly education. That's my background. She's nannied. Yes. She's babysat. She's literally done it all. Mm Mm-hmm. I have my associate's degree in education, elementary ed. Um, Right now, I'm an integrated studies student at UVU. I'm studying family science and classical studies, which is basically ancient Greek and Roman mythology. I am currently a CNA. I've been a CNA since I graduated high school. I got my CNA license my first semester of my senior year. You're 17. I was... 17 at the time. I'm lucky that I did it my first semester because that second semester COVID hit and I almost switched to do my CNA course my second semester because I wanted to do acapella. 
but I didn't. So I was able to graduate with my license. Um, and then I started working that August as a CNA in, it was kind of assisted living, more assisted living, memory care. Um, and I eventually left that job and I worked at a full on memory care facility and I was there for about a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I worked at a bank for a little bit. That was a really, like, (laughs) fever dream part of my life. I remember the voice memo when Callie told me that she was going to be a bank teller, and I did not believe her. I was so different. (laughs) Yeah. I was a bank teller for about... Three weeks? Yeah. Three weeks. And then um, I got a job in labor and delivery, which is where I'm at now. So... Working as a CNA, it's obviously different everywhere that you work. Um, What I was doing in memory care is a lot different than what I do now in labor and delivery. Like in memory care, it was, I worked an evening shift, so I was there from 2 to 10 p.m. First of all, completely killed my social life. My main priorities were just getting people fed and ready for bed. Like, those were the main goals. (laughs) And after a while, I got trained to be a med tech, so I was passing medications. I was dealing with a lot of heavy drugs. <laughs> I, would, I was literally in charge of morphine. She wasn't taking it, just handing it out to people. Unfortunately, not taking it, but I could have, honestly. Sure, it was some just days you sitting, wish you could. It was just sitting in a fridge, like, <laughs> right in the office, right next to me. But... Um, so I was trained for med tech, so I was doing that for a while, and then in labor and delivery, it's a lot different. Um, I'm technically a patient care tech, which is a little misleading in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of patient care. Um, in this job, I'm, like, teching, which is just, like, cleaning, Mm -hmm. like, sanitizing, exciting stuff (laughs) yep and then stocking rooms i'll you know weigh and measure babies and i recently got scrub trained which means i am assisting doctors in surgeries i'm not cutting people open but i am handing instruments over so i'm like i get a front row seat to c-sections and it is actually really cool to watch that it's exactly like Grey's anatomy right um, if Grey's Anatomy were, if they were delivering babies all the time, not, you know, trying to get two people hooked off of a train off pole, of a, off of a, yeah, off of a pole, but that's what I do now. Is it safe to say that you don't like your job? Well, <laughs> we can definitely get into that. Um, I'll, like, try to make it quick, but I feel like it really, it piles on top of each other Mm -hmm. from each job that I was at. Like, first CNA job, did not treat those people well. Not I did, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the environment that they were Mm -hmm. in and some of the other people who worked there, these residents were not being treated well. So then the second CNA job, they're just kind of the same thing. Um, but it was also very heavily memory care. Like, those were the Mm -hmm. only people that I was working with in all different stages. So, 
you would have one person who could still take themselves to the bathroom, change into clothes on their own, and then someone who could do none of that on their own, who may be physically abusive. I would get punched, um, spit at, yelled at, bit. I was bit a couple times. When Callie was in memory care, I was in severe special ed. So I only had 12 kids in my classroom. Only two of them could talk. Only one of them could go to the bathroom by themselves. I was also getting bit and hit and screamed at mm-hmm. and helping kids go to the bathroom, helping them shower. So as different as education and healthcare may seem, we have had very similar experiences over yeah. the last couple years. Yes, which is, I am very, very grateful for because Mm -hmm. I had people that I could talk to about it that were in healthcare, Mm -hmm. but it was nice to talk to someone about it, especially like my best friend Mm -hmm. who was not doing the same thing I was, but was dealing with the same kinds of scenarios, Mm -hmm. like being hit by people. (laughs) Not being able to take care of your physical needs because that's all you do at work every day. Yeah. Not feeling like yourself and not knowing who you are. Because your job just drains all the energy and love out of you. Working in memory care, like I said, I got trained to be a med tech, so I was passing meds. Which also meant I was in charge if somebody passed away. So, this, ugh. when we had someone that started to decline, um, you know, they would get more family members coming around, and then their medications, they would start taking less and less pills and start getting more, like, syringes of things, and you could kind of tell that this was the beginning of the end for people. And I would have family members come up to me a lot when I was med tech and genuinely ask me, a 19-year-old, how long their loved one had left to live. And it always, every single time, it like shook me to my core. (laughs) That somebody would ask me that, and the fact that that was my job. That you knew the answers. And I knew I could give them a genuine answer. Because I had seen it before. Because it's a very similar process for people. And that, after a while, I got really numb to that. Especially to have people pass away in healthcare People pass away in threes. Always. When one person passes, there are always two more people that follow in the next couple weeks. It's just how it is, I guess. Healthcare people are very superstitious. Talk to anybody (laughs) who's in healthcare. They know the rule of three. They know that full moons are awful. Ask anybody in special education about full moons. It truly makes the kids monsters. Yep. We don't have a 13th room at our hospital. Mm -hmm. We don't have a 13th floor. 
we we don't have 13s <laughs> we don't it's um we're very superstitious but happens way to be my topic. lucky number yes born on the 13th shout out to all my swifties out there <laughs> <laughs> i love taylor swift <laughs> i'm getting there i'm getting there but anyway back to our <laughs> back to the original topic giving people an educated guess on when their family member could pass away being 19 years old after a while really made me feel like a bad person <laughs> Especially just being in memory care, having to lie to these people. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to say when you have some little old lady who's asking where her husband is? Her husband passed away 10, 15 years ago, but she wants to know where he is. And I became a really good liar because I would have these just set, like, answers mm-hmm. that I would give back. Oh, where did my husband go? You know, he just had to step out. He said he had to go to the store to get stuff for dinner, but he wanted me to tell you that he loves you. That's so sad. I Tell me about <laughs> it. You would oh. have these set answers that you would give people. You because have to. You can't tell them yeah. the truth. They're hearing it for the first time all over again. You just told them their husband died for the first time. You can't do that. Then you feel awful because you just lied. Mm. But also, you know, you ha- you weigh your options, and sometimes it's just easier to lie about it. April and I, after a while, really started realizing that our jobs were very similar. And we talked about it to each other a lot. A lot. Almost every voice memo <laughs> had something to do with work. Still does. But we would talk a lot about just how mentally draining it was, and how when we would leave work... It was almost like there was no distinction between leaving work, coming home, and then leaving for work. That time in between work was just spent worrying about work. (laughs) Yeah, and I spent so much of my energy at work on the kids and trying to not lose my mind at my awful coworkers, and I had no skills and patience left for my husband. I couldn't communicate with him and I was so rude and impatient and it carried over into all aspects of my life. I didn't know how to take care of myself, taking care of so many little people every single day. We had talked about that we would come home and then not, like, not wanting to shower. Just sitting on the bathroom floor, zoning out. Or not wanting to do laundry because, like, at my work, we would, you know, do people's laundry. Yeah. Just not eating because you're making other people food mm -hmm. and setting their tables. Yeah. And then I think just also that, like, you know, just coming home and sometimes you just want to go to bed for dinner. (laughs) So (laughs) that happened a lot. And, but our jobs were very similar and we relied on each other a lot Mm -hmm. to talk through it. I luckily had incredible co-workers at my last job. I did not. <laughs> yeah. That was a huge difference. I really, really owe a lot of my happiness to those co-workers because they got me through a lot of stuff when I was working mm-hmm. there. There was a lot that happened yeah. <laughs> when I worked there. So it was nice to have people that I could rely on, um, which was a huge help and a reason that I stayed there. For so long, even though 
I felt like not a person Mm -hmm. at work. And at the time, pretty close to when I quit, I had a, I had a therapist who I loved and we clicked so well. And she, one of my first appointments, she had asked me like what I did for work. And I was like, oh, I'm a CNA. I work in memory care. And she asked me to give her like a rundown of what I do during my day. You know, I tell her that I, mm-hmm. I get sometimes hit or punched or spit on, bit. And she, this was like, we used, I used BetterHelp, mm-hmm. which is not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was like a FaceTime. We were on like FaceTime almost. And she like looked at me and was like, that's really hard. And I, I could have cried (laughs) because I think that was one of the first times that someone had really ever looked at me and went, that's really hard. That's really sad. Sometimes when I tell people about my job, oh, I got like hit by a little lady today. That's funny to -hmm. people. Or, you know, you get, oh, you're a CNA. That work is so needed. And that's so important. You want to be a teacher? You're going to change lives. It takes a special kind of person. Yeah. to go into that field. The number of times that we have heard, I could never do that. I could never do that. Please don't ever say that to somebody in healthcare or education or any field ever. Yeah. It is not what they want to hear. It just, it sounds, it's always sounded yucky to us mm-hmm. and I don't exactly know why it sounds like that mm-hmm. icky, but it just does. I don't think either of us could tell you at exactly what point we started to feel this way, but around the same time, almost a year ago, we both thought, well, I don't think I want to do this anymore. This is not what I was built for. I'm not enjoying this, and I want to find something different. And when you're hearing, I could never do that. You're so special. Like, you have a you're one of a kind. There's a special place in heaven for you. When you don't feel like you're doing a good job and when you're barely getting by, it, I don't have the words for it, but it just breaks your heart. And it's very rare to find somebody that you can talk about this stuff openly with. Because if I told people that I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher anymore, they'd say, why? You're perfect for it. Just get a different job and you'll get through it. But it's not that simple. April and I have both discussed before that we have inherited some of our views of what our career wants to be from our moms. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had told me growing up that she had always wanted to be a nurse and to go into nursing. um, And she hadn't done that. So... I figured that I had taken that on from her um, because that did sound ex- exciting to me, mm-hmm. but also I I love my mom and I think very highly of my mom. So if she wanted to be a nurse, like, yeah, okay, I'll be a mm-hmm. nurse. My mom, before she got married, also planned on being a nurse and then she spent time in a hospital and decided not, but... 
When I was growing up, she always talked about wanting to be a teacher, and she homeschooled me and my siblings for a few years and loved it. She went and got her teaching license when I was in middle school, so she's in her sixth year of teaching, and just seeing how much she loves it and how that's always what she's wanted to do, going and pursuing her dreams when I was old enough to really understand what she was doing, I think I also took that on between seeing her teach my older sisters when I was in, you know, preschool up through her going into her first classroom. I also took that on. I saw how much she loved it and I wanted that joy. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I think I have just realized more that I don't think healthcare is for me. I think I need to do something different, but I don't know what that is in the slightest. I gave it a shot, and I thought this was my dream job. I had talked to everybody about it. (laughs) I was so excited to start it, Um, and it's just not what I was expecting, and I'm trying to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be okay with that. It makes me feel really disappointed. I feel like... It's hard to be okay with that as an understatement. Yeah. I feel very disappointed in myself. I'll put it bluntly. I feel disappointed that I would be so excited for this and tell people about it and then just be done with it like that. It almost feels like it's your fault or like there's something wrong with you. Like you're not cut out for it because you spent your whole life planning for this and wanting it and you've put in so much work and time and money and to have it not work out you just feel incomplete yeah and I just in my head I can't go from working in labor and delivery to target like I could absolutely do that but I need to have I feel like I need to have a job that other people can look at and say, wow, that like, she's really making a difference with that. Or that's Mm -hmm. really cool that she's doing that. I feel like we've both always been career people. You have career people and you have job people. Mm -hmm. And Callie and I have both always just wanted a career, something stable that we love where we can put our skills to work and just grow and improve in that one space. We've wanted everything figured out from the beginning. We like, have have had everything figured out. Mm-hmm. Kelly was going to birth my babies. I was going to be her kid's teacher, going to marry guys who are best friends and <laughs> <laughs> buy houses on the same block and grow old together. We had... We've had an idea of what mm-hmm. our lives were going to look like, especially in that career aspect, you know, out of out of all of the people who will come in and out of our lives and where we'll end up, like, we can have our career figure- figured out. There was no backup plan. There is no backup plan for yeah. either of us. So I'm still very much in a... I'm completely lost. I'll be completely honest. I have no idea what I'm going to do next. I'm 
you know, I, I hope it's cool. I hope it's not Target. I hope it is something that will help me feel more fulfilled and, mm-hmm. like, I can have a life outside of work. And, you know, I don't want to have to worry about work when I'm not at work, mm-hmm. which is hard, you know, for any job, really. Yeah. But I want to feel like what I'm doing is making a difference, mm-hmm. but I am still taking care of myself. And I'm sure that'll just come with age, too. Yeah. As you get older, you know, finding that balance, mm-hmm. but... Learning to set boundaries. As of right now, I haven't learned that yet. And it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes <laughs> right it's really easy for us both to forget how young we are because we've been through so much and we've been, you know, working for these things for so long. I guess we do still have time to figure it out. It doesn't feel it that doesn't way feel right like now. It. Yeah. And it's hard when you see even just people around you, like, you know, when I got out of high school and I kind of started looking at colleges, you know, I could have been on a fast track. I could have been a nurse in, like, two or three years. Mm -hmm. I could be graduating nursing school this June. yeah. And it's hard when you look at people who are doing that and being like, oh, maybe I should have just mm-hmm. put my head down and just done it. Like, just do it. Just get it over with. Maybe it. if you would have just done it, you would have realized that you love it. Or mm-hmm. being the ages that we are, everybody we know is getting married. Everybody we know is having children. <laughs> everybody we know is at is doing something big in their life like that. And me, who's still living at home Mm -hmm. and like I do have a job you know I am in a relationship but that's it like I would like to clarify that being married doesn't mean that you have things figured out (laughs) (laughs) which yes is so true but from an outside perspective Mm -hmm. seeing that like this person is making big jumps in their life that are you know, something that when you look at your 20s, that's kind of mm-hmm. a natural progression. Like, oh, you like graduate college, you get married, you maybe start having kids. Yeah. You move into a place. Like, yeah. like I got married when I was 19. Callie was my maid of honor. And then we have been married for almost a year and a half. Just got our first apartment last week. We were living with my in-laws <laughs> and... I was so confident that, oh, I'm getting married young. This is going to work out great. I have time to finish my degree and get my teaching license and finish my first year of teaching before we have kids. It's not that plan at all. And I feel like being married is the only stable thing I have in my life as I'm figuring out my career and living in a new city and just figuring everything else out like every other 20 something yeah but I yeah I'm I'm figuring it out mm-hmm. and um I'm trying not to look at those people who are getting married and having children and getting places on their own and it's so difficult to not compare yourself to everybody else around you yeah I'm trying and I'm figuring it out and mm-hmm. like in the last episode I am trying to be more blunt with myself mm-hmm. And this year, I really just want to be like, what do you want to do? You can't just keep saying, 
oh, I'm not happy where I'm at. Like, my job stresses me out. Okay, then what do you want to do? You can't just, you You know. You can't just sulk. I'm glad you figured that Mm -hmm. out. That's a very important step. But what are you going to do next? Because it's okay to feel lost, but. You can't stay lost. As I have taken a step back from education, working in the school library, kind of finding a new path, I, this is what I tell people when they ask me what I want to do. I'm not confident when I say it, but I think I'm going to go get my master's in library science after I get my integrated studies degree. Maybe I'll become a librarian or a college advisor. Maybe I'll go into research. I'm not positive, but I knew I wanted to do integrated studies to have two minors instead of one major. And I want to do classical studies. It's something I'm so passionate about. But for weeks, I tried to talk myself out of it. And my husband sat me down a little while ago and said, like, you can't keep saying that that's what you want to do and then feel sorry for yourself that it's not going to work out. If that's something you love, pursue it. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll figure something else out. It doesn't have to be a set in stone plan you can figure it out as you go and as long as you're trying to do something that you love and trying to learn everything will fall into place if you're anything like the two of us even if you're in high school if you're older than Mm -hmm. high school if you're in a in a place in your life where your career is really stressing you out We have been there and done that, and I think the most important message that I would want to say during this is that, especially for the two of us, I feel like Mm -hmm. the two of us need to hear it, (laughs) we are 20 and 21 years old, and we don't have it figured out. At all. And that's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? We grew up really fast, and we feel like we have to have it figured out. It's okay to have a stupid little job at Target Mm -hmm. before you figure it out. If doing something small, like going from doing something that you feel is important and I would feel so bad about myself if I left and I know people would be disappointed in me if I stopped doing this. If you know in the long run, it'll make you feel happier, even if it's just for those six months. If Mm -hmm. you're at Target for six months and it makes you happy then you were happy for six months and you can figure it out. Like you're, when you're still young, that's the whole point of being young is to Mm -hmm. sit there and to figure it out. You have all the time in the world to work at that great job and to be with your family, but you don't have as much time to figure things out and to explore yourself and get to know who you are. And I think it's we've been learning to take advantage of that and I've been trying to learn to let this trial and these challenges help me to grow into who I want to be and get to know myself better sounds cheesy but it is true it is true (laughs) your mindset about it makes a really big difference yeah I think you just gotta do what I feel like what's also helped us is we've been trying to heal our inner 
children. Callie's been wearing a lot of pink and yeah. doing her hair and her makeup. Which will be and- a whole <laughs> podcast episode, don't you worry. Mm-hmm. But... When I was yes. in the depths of despair of not knowing who I was or where I was going, I started rereading my favorite books from elementary school and reading books that are popular with my young students, and it has made a world of difference. Yeah. It seems stupid reading books written for 10-year-olds at my age, but it really has taught me so much. So do yeah. the stupid little things that make you happy. I will see you back on the pod hopefully soon got a lot of other things to talk about together mm-hmm. and uh just like it always ends we'll see you next week same time same place bring your favorite drink and this is the cali after hours podcast cali after hours oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs>